Hey, this is Madhu and Abhi from Inspiring Ideas podcast. Finished a superb episode with Vainav Chaudhary, who shared his fascinating journey of becoming a successful angel investor at an incredibly young age. Vainav, why do you think that people should tune into this episode? Yeah, this episode would help people younger than me because it's all very scary, the first step into the world of investment. But there's nothing to be scared about. Everybody makes mistakes. You learn from your failures. They're not failures. They're just lessons that you're about to learn. And if it's not this way, it's the other way. You might have to take a U-turn. But of course, the way path to success is just across the tunnel. And in this podcast, I talk about time management skills and tips and tricks and lessons I've learned throughout my career. And yeah, it's from a young person's perspective on the world of investment. Fantastic. That's really good. Excellent. Hi, I'm Abhinav. I'm Madhu. Welcome to the Inspiring Idea Podcast. We interview people from across the world and share their life stories and success formulas with our audience. We hope this will inspire you to achieve your dreams. So, let's get the show started. Our guest today is 20 years old. However, he's the Chief Investment Officer at Alexa Capital. He has experience in data analysis, equity trading, private equity, and angel investing. He's currently pursuing bachelors of commerce in finance from UNSW Business School. We are so excited to have Vanup Chaudhary in our show. Welcome Vanup, how are you going today? Oh, I'm doing terrific, I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. Vanup, in next 30 minutes, we want to explore your life journey and deep dive into the key moments which contributed to who you are today. So let's get started. One of the popular quotes by Warren Buffett is, the wise man once said, invest young. I guess you took this advice very seriously and started your investment journey early in your life. Looking back now, what were your circumstances and what motivated you to take this journey? Yeah, absolutely. So investing young, obviously it allows the the eighth wonder of the world, the compound interest to kick in and use like, so my only advice is to start as young as possible and read as much books as possible as well. So I remember trading back when I was like 15 and you just trade with small amounts of money, but you get your skin in the game. And as soon as you make your first few dollars, you get motivated. And I was a numbers guy, I used to love maths. And I come from a family of doctors. So, but I didn't go down that path because I wanted to make money or create a career based off of my math skills. So yeah, and trading really capitalizes on that. Mm. Can you dive deep on your uh, journey? I mean, I'm very intrigued with when you say you're investing young as years. So yeah. why don't you tell us about your life journey? Where yes. it started so and where you are I grew today. up in Bangladesh and Trading and business wasn't seen uh, as such a bright eye as now in Australia it is, right? Mm -hmm. And my brother used to study, he's seven years older than me, and he used to study medicine. He's a doctor now, and it's very expensive. So I was trying to help my parents out any way I can. And doing an odd job or whatever wouldn't quite cut it because it was really high. So what we did was we searched on the internet, how do you make quick money, right? And obviously there's a lot of scams, but tried and tested two things, real estate and the public market. They have created wealth for generations. 
And yeah, we, we didn't have enough capital for real estate, but trading penny stocks, which I don't recommend unless it's quite risky, but if you have low capital and you put in the work, definitely. There's a lot of success stories, but yeah, there's a few failures as well. But if you're passionate about it, then it's not work anymore. So you work all day and night and you create a strategy and you can essentially make a living out of it. It's beautiful. And you're talking about strategy uh, at such young age. So uh, how do you, how do you even think about uh, partnering with your uh, brother and what was the main thought process? So you guys wanted to make money. So is there any other goal that you had in your mind apart from that? Absolutely, because uh, Bangladesh is a third world country and there's poverty everywhere. And we really wanted to find a way where we could help other people out. My, I come from a family of doctors and my mother always wanted me to start off a hospital. And that uh, we were entrepreneurial by spirit, me and my brother, but you need a lot of capital to start a startup or a hospital, right? And yeah, that's what drove our capitalism. And yeah, and we were like, okay, let's dive into this trading thing. See what happens. You take the risk. We were young. I was really young. He was like around 20. And yeah, we got other people. You looked around. We found a computer science guy to join our group. We coded the entire thing, automated it. And yeah, we traded it till now. And it's a nice move because you always need a tech guy near you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. So let's just unpack uh, the investing Jenny, so how did you learn the fundamentals and the practical concepts related to investing? So did you read any books? Did you have any specific mentors or is it all just you guys doing the hard yard of uh, going through some of the concepts yourself? Yeah, so that's a funny story. So it first started off, I was reading books. I loved reading books in general. So I was reading um, Security Analysis by Benjamin Graham, then in, The Intelligent Investor, then um, the fundamentals of technical analysis, stuff like that, right? And I used to save up money so I could buy the original print. In Bangladesh, there's a fake print and an original one. If you had money, you had the real one. If you weren't from a wealthy family, you had the fake one. But I saved up, bought it, and I kept it on my shelf. And one day, one of my relatives came over, and he's now my mentor. He runs a hedge fund. So he saw these books, and he saw a 15-year-old, and he was like, something quite doesn't add up. And he asked me, he's like, are these like your father's book? I'm like, no, no, these are my book. I read them. And he's like, oh, wow. That's because it's quite unique. And you know, there's a saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will be there. And I was ready. I knew enough to make him interested. If I was just an average 15 year old, he would just walk away because at his stage, he gets people coming up to him, like begging him for mentorship. Right. And he was like, let me take you out. Then he took me out to the most expensive place in Bangladesh. And then he was like, this is what I do. Are you, does that seem cool? And I was just hooked because to my extent, I thought you could make decent amount of money by trading or whatever. But when I saw what he was able to accomplish, not the money, but the legacy that he led and he left behind, I was like, yeah, I'm going to follow your footsteps. And yeah, it's brought me here today. <laughs> Fantastic. Long way to go. So, Vanab, I'm very curious to know what was your first experience dealing with startups? Yeah, dealing with startups, one of my exits was Venzi. Mm -hmm. And that was a company me and my brother invested in when I was around 16. It was an e-commerce website. Mm -hmm. And it, it went IPO. It's a Canadian company. And 
Yeah, so we were diving deep into dropshipping, right? And dropshipping, because I was trying out everything that's online. Now you tell me, I've tried it. So dropshipping, the main problem that we experienced was the spreadsheets. And the founder of Venzi also had an e-commerce website, and she or he uh, figured out a way to solve that problem. And we were like, oh, wow, she's actually solving a problem. She's not just one of those vitamin companies. She's an aspirin. And we were like, yeah, let's invest our money. We dove deep, of course, into the financials and everything. And yeah, we had our first exit. That really catapulted us towards achieving more. That's so hang on, buddy. What, what's, what, is, what is vitamin and what is aspirin? Yeah, so that's a terminology. I don't know if I created it or I picked it up from someone. So a vitamin startup is something that you don't really need, but it makes it a bit better. For example... An aspirin would be something which solves a problem. When you have a dire headache, you need an aspirin. So an Uber is an aspirin. You, now it revolutionized every Facebook is an aspirin. People needed to communicate. There's nothing else there. Then, yeah, that's an aspirin. But a vitamin would be something that just makes it slightly better. Like uh, a camera, right? And the, that app makes your resolution a bit better. That's a mm -hmm. vitamin. You can live without it. But an aspirin, you can't live without it. It's a beautiful analogy, man. You should you should actually write an article or a book if it expands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll definitely be a, be a bestseller there. So I'm I'm just curious when you started working with startup, like you were very young. Like what was what were what was their reaction looking at a young guy asking them tough questions? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, but luckily most of the startups I was affiliated with, the founders were pretty young, but not as young as me. But I think. My brother was a bit older. I was young. We averaged out the age and they took us seriously enough to move forward. And yeah, we related on a young basis because VCs, these guys are a lot older and these young startups don't really relate to them. Whereas we related on a like day-to-day -day basis. And this is one of the advantage I would say that young people have. Like most of these startups, people started at uni, right? And if you're going to uni, you have more deal flow compared to other VCs who are 50, 60 years old, because these are people who you're probably hanging out with. And that deal flow is so organic and you can't replicate that. How do you use your communication? I'm, I'm curious, you know, yes, you've got younger people, younger founders, and how do you use your communication? Do you tailor it to different uh, age groups um, so that you kind of resonate, make that instant connection? I know yeah. that, you know, we've we got decades of differences between us yeah. and you, but we're still yeah. making that connection. <laughs> yeah. So if I was meeting people, you guys are young, but if I was meeting a lot older people, I'd be wearing a suit, right? But if I was meeting someone who's really young, just being casual, being up to date with the fashion, being up to date with just well-read, well-versed on what's going on in the world in that age group, that really makes you more relatable. Whereas... For example, if I was meeting a client who's an investor who's 60, you'd be more interested in wine tasting. Whereas I don't know any other 20-year-olds who are into wine tasting, but they would love a good burger. So I'd be well-read on that topic. Yeah. So you prepare well. Awesome. Of Let's course, get serious. Because I usually don't get enough time to watch series or whatever, but I just know just enough. Or I have friends who tell me just enough so that I don't seem like I live under a cave. Uh, that's a beautiful advice. That's a good one. Yeah. And in startup investment in itself could be very, very risky. You know, that's what you pointed out earlier as well. 
Absolutely. In the early part of your investment journey, did you ever doubt to yourself um, that is this the game for me or this is the right path? Or uh, would you have thought about uh, going and investing yourself in something else? Yeah. So what it boils down to is having a diversified portfolio. Of course, startups has a lower hit rate, but compared to stocks or a strategy that you're trading, but once you're right in a startup, that's 10x, 100x, right? Whereas in a strategy, a trade, return per trade would be around 5 to 6% on that trade. So it's not, you can't look at them in the same lens, mm -hmm. but it's all about having a diversified portfolio. If I only invested in startups, then I wouldn't be happy, right? Most of the days, because most startups fail. A few, I would be happy only one, once a day in the year, but because I have other sources of income or other streams of income, it allows me to have a more balanced equity growth. And yeah, that's, that's one of my advices as well. Have as much diversified portfolio as possible. So in terms of uh, managing and staying focused all the time, uh, you know, including studying, how do, you, how do you do that? And how are you getting your focus? Yeah. So I usually have different identities. This is something weird, but it's helped me throughout the day. So if I go in with to school with an entrepreneurial spirit or like a businessman spirit, it's hard for me to take an assignment seriously, right? Because uh, I could be doing something else, which makes me a lot more money than a grade, but both are really important. Uh, at least I believe so. And that's why I step into the student identity where I'm a beginner, I'm learning everything. Thankfully, I'm studying business, not medicine like my older brother, but he's finished his med degree. But it's, it's way easier because I'm learning and I'm implementing. So there's three days I have class, I go in, I learn as much as possible, absorb everything in, come back to the drawing board, see what I can do with that information. And I see most students just try to pass that exam. That's the worst way you could go through uni. You network, you learn everything, come back home. You try how you can implement it, get, gain some experience, get some good grades as well. That, that doesn't hurt. And yeah, that's how I do it. And that keeps me motivated. If I was just studying or just doing business, it wouldn't keep me motivating. I would have to tap out early as well because you always have to keep increasing your knowledge. And I, always, I grew a habit of reading 100 pages a day of any book of any sort and that just keeps you learning more and broadening your horizon so what are you reading now <laughs> oh currently i'm reading a very controversial book but it's a good book it's the trump the art of the deal all right yeah he Good might be a tick uh, on the screen but he that man knows how to do business knows how to close a deal <laughs> mm. how do you deal with failures yeah in my head because once you're young and you've you're in the game, you realize that failure is just part of the way, right? Part of the way to success. And you just rephrase it. You don't call it failures. You just call it, it didn't work. So that, that, that's not a roadblock. That's like, oh, this path doesn't lead to success. I probably a U-turn would is what I should have done or another track I should have done. And that makes it easier. And if you just go like, oh man, my investment was a failure, then you get scared. That scars you. But if you're like, oh, that investment didn't work out. Maybe I should have read more. I do reviews on it and make it better. Yeah. That's a great point. It is fascinating to hear your story about how you started your investment journey in Bangladesh. And then yeah. you moved to Australia. 
Now, okay. Australia is a vastly different place in terms of culture, people, business. How did you prepare for this challenge that you might face? And were there any surprises for you? Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot different. The food isn't as spicy as back in Bangladesh. <laughs> that, was, that was probably one of the hardest things to experience. Because uh, my mother used to cook for me back at home and I came here and I was like, oh man, I never cooked back at home. So I was like, so you're supposed to add salt to the chicken? I was, it, my eggs were either raw or they were burnt. There, there's no in between. You can't get it right. And the people here are amazing They're, because it's a multicultural. Like there's people from everywhere. I have friends who are Indians, Bangladeshis, from Asia, white. It's, it, that's not a big problem in this country. There's no racism I have experienced till now. And yeah, I love it. It's, and since um, the uni I'm going to UNSW, there's a lot of international students there as well. And there's a lot of groups for international students. And that makes it easier to settle in. Yeah. But I would understand why people would have difficulty. But thankfully, my brother is here, his fiance is here, and they made it easier. That's great to hear, buddy. In terms of your current work, you know, once you come back, after your UNSW study, you completely change your avatar, like what you're saying. So you are a chief investment officer. Can you tell us about that role and what do you do? Yeah, so currently Elixir Capital PTY is what we I work for and work with. And I manage the portfolio, basically. What investments come in, what investments we liquidate out of the positions. We also dive into the private equity market as well. So I have to, most of the time it's, it goes into networking because your network is your net worth, right? Mm -hmm. And right after I come from uni, I always have this principle that I have to go out with someone new that I haven't met. And that he might be, he might open a new horizon for me where I thought that this way of making capital was the best. And he shows me another way and instantly I know another one, right? It's like, everybody's a mentor. You just have to look deep inside them and just see what they can add to your life and learn from them. Well, this is interesting because you're studying and then at the same time, you're, you know, you're working as well. So how do you manage this? Yeah, I have a very, that's something my mentor really strictly taught me. He said, everything else, you can make it happen. You can learn, read all the books, learn everything, but everybody gets 24 hours. Even the richest man in the world gets 24 hours. It's not that you don't have the time. It's that you, don't, you can't manage the time. And we have this method of journaling every 20 minutes of our day, every awake time. So I have planned out on my journal on Excel of every 20 minute what I'll do. And then after I've done that task in 20 minutes, I write a review on how I could have done it better. Or is there something I did that made it really efficient? So I, I know exactly when I need to have a cup of coffee. I know exactly how many calories I should eat at what time. So I'm as most efficient as possible. Because at the end of the day, it's just that 24 hours. And there are people who dropped out of uni that I'm competing against, essentially, right? And they have that extra six hours. And I need to cover up in any way possible. And one of these practices I follow is polyphasic sleeping. That really helps because you're sleeping less and you're taking naps so you're refreshed and also working out which keeps you more energized and diet 
young guys like myself, we can get away with eating whatever, right? But that does take a toll on your body if you're calculating exactly how efficient you are. So you would want to eat healthier foods. And it might not seem as big of a difference at the beginning, but as time goes by, it compounds. And you see you're far apart from your competition just because of these small differences that attempt to be better than what you were previously. Mm. You mentioned polyphasic. Uh, I just wanted to very quickly uh, dive deep on that so that the listeners can understand what it means. Absolutely. So polyphasic sleep, we are monophasic as humans, so we sleep seven to eight hours. But polyphasic is you break down your sleep into smaller cycles. So I take a three-hour nap, which is my core, and then I take two or three naps, which are 20 minutes. Now, you could say that it's harmful for the body, but you're, you're doing this fast REM sleep, which is vital for the brain, not for the body. Obviously, it might have other health effects, but it's all about you being more efficient, right? And having a really good diet to cover up that deficit. And instead of like going out, drinking alcohol, having that McDonald's, you just cover up by sleeping a bit less. I know it's controversial, I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. You should see a physician before you try everything. But for my body, and since I'm young, I can get away with it. But if you're about 50 or something like that and you have health conditions, absolutely go to your physician and get that advice. That really shows your drive uh, in terms of what you want to achieve in life. Yeah. Uh, commendable. Uh, I just wanted to dive deep in your angel investing journey now in terms of finding a great uh, startup, what would you actually look at it in terms of, hey, hey, that really resonates me. I got to go and invest in that company. Hmm. What are the key tells is apart from the financials uh, that people generally look out for? Absolutely, because business is more than just numbers. So I come from a family of doctors, as I've mentioned. So I have a bit more knowledge in the industry and network. So I like to dive deeper, deeper into health tech and health related startups. And first, I look at the idea. As I mentioned, is it a vitamin or an aspirin? If, if it's an aspirin, then it gains my interest. Then I look into the founder because a startup needs to pivot maybe 10 to 20 times before it finds success, right? You never know how the market's going to react to your product. Now, I want somebody who's resilient enough and passionate about and hungry enough to want it. And if that founder has that terrific idea, He's smart, everything, but he doesn't have that grit. I'm not sold. I invest in the person, not the product or the idea, because that idea might change, might modify, but that person is literally the same. Unless he goes through something drastic, I bet on the person that he will figure out a way to change that capital into earnings. That's interesting. Really good point. When a, has your investment strategy uh, changed over a period of time based on the lessons that you've learned? Absolutely. That's the most important because if you keep doing the same thing and expect different results, I think Einstein said that you're, you're insane. So after every investment, I go through a rigorous review of how I could have done it better, what went wrong, how could I have prepared for the pitch or everything. And Drastic reviews lead you to making better moves and eventually leads you to making more money. Do you want to share a couple of uh, great investments that you have made 
where it gave you 10x, 100x and whatever number of growth that you have got. Uh, how did you uh, think about that? Yes, that was a company that was really successful. And I'm sure that uh, my involvement in that in whatever way possible is going gonna, is gonna to help them and help me. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember being young, my friends used to scroll on Facebook, but on the same train, I used to scroll on AngelList because that's where you get most of the startups in. And they used to make fun of me. I remember they're like, oh man, what are you doing? And I was like, no, no, this interests me more than what, where somebody went, what their relation status is. Good on them, but I'm not concerned. But yeah, and then I came across Venzi. At that time, I don't quite remember the year, e-commerce was just about to blow up. Like it was the next big thing. And you could quite tell if you're, if you read enough books and talk to enough intellectual people, you could tell that that's the next best thing. And I wanted to see what the inefficiency was. Since I had a background in drop shipping, not a background, I tried it out. Uh, drop shipping, the main problem was those spreadsheets and managing those. And then I saw the startup which solves this problem, which was Venzi. And I was like, this is that aspirin I was looking for. That solves my problem, but solves problem for everybody related to that market. And yeah, that's, that was my first, that was, I invested in, I contacted my brother, he was also on board. And I would say, luckily, it went IPO, not luckily, everybody put a lot of work in, but luck is where preparation meets opportunity. So mm-hmm. it went IPO and we made a decent amount of capital and which catapulted us. Fantastic. So, Do you got any other interesting stories that you would like to share? Yeah. Interesting stories would be meeting older people in the startup game because okay. they would like look at me and be like, because at first I like how people used to see my picture on LinkedIn or whatever. And they're just how the first question they don't ask where you've worked, how old are you? And then I remember I used to try to hide it a bit because that then I was really young, like 20 is still fine. 17, it's, it's, you're far, yeah, you're talking to someone who's 40, especially from Bangladesh, you're supposed to show utmost respect, not negotiate your deals and terms with your elderly. (laughs) So that was quite, you had to step out of that zone. Yeah. And yeah, my experience was I met an investor, uh, a founder, and she was a mom and she had a child who was as old as me. And she, she just stopped pitching her startup and everything and wanted me to be friends with her child and asked me to show him his, my ways and inspire him. I'm like, oh, okay, what, okay, I guess we're friends and family now. Do I get a better deal on the valuation? And she's like, yeah, come over. Then she brought me home. We went out for coffee and yeah, that's how you build relationships. That's great. That's a very interesting story. Uh, Manab, I think the next question I want to talk to you about is our current circumstances because of COVID. Now, there is a huge impact in jobs, small businesses, and the economy. Uh, there's a paradigm shift in the way people think now or operate or grow. What trends have you observed as someone who deals with investors and entrepreneurs on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, health tech really important because before when I used to talk to my brother, right, they still use a fax machine at the hospital. They still use uh, beep. They don't have anything digitalized or anything because that industry, they were happy with the way it was going. 
But after they saw the importance after this pandemic, the importance of a great healthcare system, a lot of startups are coming up with solutions to the problems that was quite obvious to doctors. And yeah, I see a very big shift in paradigm where most VCs, at least in my network, are interested into the health tech space or the healthcare. What would be your advice for someone who's actually starting new? Uh, you know, yes, COVID has got opportunities at the same time. Um, it has got a lot of, uh, it has led to a lot of job losses as well. But purely looking at the opportunities, you know, I'm a firm believer that we have to, we have to look at the positive things. How, how would you think as a fresher to the investing journey, they would, they would need to look at this? Yes, health tech is what you told. Are there any other tips and tricks in terms of uh, the given money that they've got? It could be as, as small as, let's say, 5K or 10K. What would be your advice for them? If you have a capital of around the amounts you mentioned, it'd be really good to invest in yourself read up on different books, finish courses, because you wouldn't have this much time if you had a day-to-day -day job, right? And you get so much more time. You're just at home. You're saving time on transport. And just overall, you can be more efficient when you're working from home, at least for me. And that gives you more time to read up on and do different courses. And luckily, these courses are going up for sale. And books, they're easy to get. Your local library, you could just gather as many books as possible. And just read it. And I think the limiting factor for most people isn't the capital or anything. It's the knowledge and that passion. Because if you know what to do and you know it well enough, you can make other people believe in you and you can make that investment for them and get that free equity chunk in. And how do you go and find mentors? Because as you said, mentors play a very important role. Uh, yeah. So what's your advice on that? Yeah, you have to... You can't hide the fact that you want to change. Mm -hmm. If you ever meet a person older than you or someone who has achieved what you want to achieve, you have to tell them that, yes, I am hungry. You can't just be shy and hide and be like, oh, I wish I told him. I've heard so many young people be like, oh, I met this founder. I wish I told him to mentor me. Because most of these people want to leave a legacy and they want to mentor people. You just have to ask. Because as I mentioned, my, one of my biggest mentors he just saw me and he saw me reading those investment books. And if I was just hiding the fact I was like 15, I was shy and I hid it from him then he would have never known me, but I was broad. I was bold. I was telling him what I want to do. I was essentially pitching myself. You have to get into the habit of pitching yourself. And if a mentor sees value in you, obviously he'll mentor you and he won't give you enough time, but you have to show your mentor that you're putting in the work of what he says you've used his advice, you've come back to him, asked for help. You have to be hungry enough and essentially he will be more than happy to help you out. That's beautiful, man. I, I, I'm curious to know, what would you tell a lineup who's 11 year old? You know, I'm just comparing that to my son now. Yeah. Um, what would you tell him? You know, he's investing in coding, he's investing in reading a lot of books, he's going to start his own podcast and not. What would you tell such uh, individuals who are hungry? Yeah. I would say hang around people or be associated with people a lot older than you because they'll open more doors for you and they've experienced it. And I know it's cliche, but listen to your elders it, because they've walked that path and it's so much easier just to listen to them and just walk that path. And 
find a mentor, especially at a young age, and then just ask him. Because when you're 11, you have so much time. If you came up to me and an 11-year-old was, can you mentor me? I'd be like, yeah, just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And you'll figure out, you, that will open a door for you. Like, your son should be reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And after he's written that, you will see a drastic change in his personality. And then he would want to read more. He'll search on his own. But yeah, that's essentially I would tell him. And I would tell him to stop wasting a lot of time watching cartoons. That, <laughs> I know it sounds a bit harsh, but yeah, it doesn't help. I would rather spend, like your son, that's amazing. He's coding. That's, I wish I did that when I was young. That would have helped me so much for now, yeah. And get into the habit of reading, comic books or whatever, because Warren Buffett and all these big guys, they're reading 400, 500 pages a day. And if you don't have the habit of reading, even if you're passionate about it, your brain just can't, doesn't have the capacity to do it. So if I had, I knew that reading was a skill that I needed to develop, but I was too young to really get interested into reading financial books. I used to just read comic books or whatever, but get that volume in. So I was okay with absorbing that much information. And then I slowly started to become more serious. It removed all the comic books. Batman won't make you money. <laughs> so then, yeah, you just find out your way. In terms of, how can people reach out to you? And uh, would, would you be a mentor for others as well? Yeah, I, I'm very young in my journey, but obviously if somebody is as young as 11, 12, I don't know how much mentorship, but I could just tell him what books to read or if he's feeling demotivated, I can show him that there's light at the other side of the tunnel because at least for my age, I think I'm doing, I'm passionate enough and I'm doing well enough for myself. And people can reach me out on LinkedIn, email, I'll send a link in the description, right? And yeah, if you have any deal that I would be interested in, if you want any help or tips, obviously. And if you just want to grab a burger, I love a good burger. So I'd be more than happy to have a meal with you guys. Beautiful, man. Uh, great to have you on your show. Thank you. Absolutely pleasure. It was my pleasure. <laughs> thanks for tuning in, my friends. We have got thousands of people listening to this podcast and wanted to thank you all for the love and encouragement so far. Some of you have reached out personally to us and thanked as well for producing great quality content. It would be awesome if you like and follow our LinkedIn page, Inspiring Ideas. And please don't forget to hit the subscribe button from where you are listening. We are across all the key podcast channels, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. We will see you with another great episode next week. Thank you so much.